Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith and Fandom podcast. Today I am joined by Todd Turner of Mosaic Fan Art and a million Woo-hoo! other uh, successful things. Um, <laughs> successful. Uh, you you parented and you married your children, some of your children, and you know you're that's a, true. A pharmacist and you've adulted well. Um, Thank you. I have a good helper. Thank goodness. Yes, you do. Um, but uh. So Todd's joining us with us today, and what we're doing is we're just going to revisit some classic comic books uh, storylines, and it feels weird to be able to say Identity Crisis is a classic. Um, 18 years. It's 18 years. It's like this sucker could vote, and um, and uh, <laughs> it couldn't buy a beer. No, but, but it, it can vote. vote. <laughs> oh, gosh. Also couldn't rent a car, but, you know, I'm hush is 20 years so we'll know how wow. 20 years next year so probably have to revisit that but uh today we're going to be revisiting uh identity crisis uh show off the chunky absolute edition todd's got the uh the og man uh, yours looks so crisp because i can tell you this one of the like uh mine uh <laughs> mine mine are loved like my original copies and um right because uh they got that uh yeah, we'll just talk about it. this was one of those stories that uh for me was like kind of game changing and i almost didn't get it like uh i remember i was in a little comic book shop in Lawrenburg, north carolina and this was a uh, gosh you know when this dropped do you remember what else was going on in the comics about that time like whatever um i do not okay because that's right like um so this See, was a good. yeah because this was 2004 is when it came out yeah um the easiest way to do is go to the back of my my identity crisis one it tells me what books were coming out at the time yeah um you know teen titans um was still going on um but as far as in 2004 i have no clue boy they're really pushing aquaman in the back of these books it's like every time the comics batman and the order yeah jla 101 oh yeah oh that was the pain of the gods that was i think chuck austin i think did that but as far as dc goes i this was this was right at the beginning of my disappearance from comics hiatus for a while so this was the beginning of my comeback to comics nice um so this is 2004 this was uh batman hush had just happened so Batman had just hit a high point. Um, we were heading into, this was like identity crisis was, you know, a big thing in that it was one of the first big JLA ish crossovers after like the hush era, you were heading into stuff like 52 and countdown were coming and all, all that fun stuff. Um, but uh, for me, like I remember it being in my local comic book shop, seeing uh the cover and asking the guy like what's this he's like uh eh, some funeral story <laughs> right and before that the only funeral story was really big was the death of superman and that was huge it was and but like i started asking him like because for all purposes this guy ran a shop but he was not a good salesperson as far as like trying to convince you to get something gotcha um he's like if you get it you get it i don't care and <laughs> ice and uh so like as opposed to some other shops that are like no they're all great issues oh that's a great one that's a great one you know some people like everyone's a great one um 
but I think honestly, the thing that like made me click onto it was that Brad Meltzer wrote it. At that point in time, I wasn't a huge Brad Meltzer, you know, fan, but I recognized the name. I knew he was a big author. I knew that was, you know, something beyond comics that he wrote. And uh, so I checked it out. And um, was there anything that made, what made you pick it up? Let's just ask this. I don't remember. Goodness, that's so, so long ago. Probably the fact that I collected a Crisis on Infinite Earths issue by issue as it came out and this was the first dc let's call something a crisis if i'm not mistaken since crisis on infant now everything's a crisis matter of fact what dark crisis starts today no yesterday yeah dark crisis issue one i mean they've had all the prologue books but so now everything's a crisis right so i i loved um crisis on infinite earth even though it was extremely wordy. If, if you go back and read it now, you're like, wow, I can't believe I slogged through all of that. But um, so I was like, oh, well, this sounds cool, you know? And um, that's why I picked it up. Probably uh, That's my guess. To go from like, a, and that was one of the things too, it was a crisis tie-in. And then we, uh, this would be like a ramp up to a lot of other crises because you would go from identity crisis to uh, infinite crisis to- uh, To heroes in crisis. Well, before that, you even had, um, gosh, there's, there's, there's infinite, there's something else. There's one of, there's one of them that I'm missing three books on. It's the one that came after, uh, uh, Batman rest in peace. There was a crisis that came right after that, um, where dark side killed Batman was the, one of the climax of the stories. Right. Right. Um, Um, let me see what it is. It's there's. There's infinite. That isn't it, is it? Infinite. No, no that was the one where Wonder Woman snapped to do uh, Homeboy's neck, Max Lord's yeah. neck. This was the one that came at the end of like 52, the week 52 countdown or whatever. Absolute that was crisis. Final crisis. Final crisis. Just, no, final yeah, final crisis. crisis. Yeah, because it was because they actually it went 52 to countdown, and then halfway through countdown's run, it changed its name to countdown to final crisis Christ. final crisis right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. then we've had dark crisis we've had we've had the crisis 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 size and um one of the things that i think attracted me to this was that this was a crisis book that wasn't on a mega scale oh no and it didn't really have tie-ins mm-hmm. right it was just a, a seven issue miniseries basically seven issue miniseries but it led to the distrust that would be infinite crisis like um, everybody's distrust in the books moving forward after this, because one of the things that this actually got me reading JLA proper um, after that, and okay. I think Grant Morrison might've been still writing some of that at that point, but because after this point, Batman trusted people less, which is, you know, a hard thing. Yeah. To that's actually hilarious. come back. <laughs> to a con- yeah. To, yeah. How do you do, how do you write that? <laughs> it's like Batman, but paranoid. You mean Batman? You mean, <laughs> oh gosh, Batman off his medication. Yeah. And so this is just one of those things. And uh, I remember picking up issue one and I honestly felt like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> my like, general, what do you mean you don't care? Like, I really didn't care about the, you didn't care about the, oh man. I well, literally have, have equated issue one as like, other than the first, 10 minutes of the movie up which i consider one of the best love stories ever created the first 10 minutes of that movie um 
you know, where we see uh, Miss whatever the older Carl guy. And Ellie. Yeah, that whole love story boiled down into like whatever five ten minutes. I felt like issue one. I mean, was such a sweet love story, and then they just pull the rug out from underneath of you. I mean, at that point, had really anybody cared about the elongated man? No, I mean, honestly. And I, I think that's what got me as where I didn't care was because um, now this is 2003 or 2004 was when I was reading this. I just finished us. I'd only been reading comics one year. I'd only really gotcha. been reading DC one year because from like uh, the mid, like early 90s up until um, the original Spider-Man clone saga, I just read Marvel. Gotcha. Like <laughs> clone saga. Yeah. Jump off. Uh yeah. As up until that point, I had just read Marvel with uh, the Batman the animated series tie-ins. So okay. like, gotcha. like DC wasn't my thing. I grew more on DC as characters in the years that followed, but mm. I'd only been reading comics one year for DC proper at that point. And a story about elongated man and his wife. And at the end of it, they said, uh, dr light and i'm like i don't know who any of these people are was like okay so uh should we throw out the like premise of the book for those who haven't yeah because we just jumped right in yeah 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 sorry that's a good life choice go ahead yeah so this is a seven issue miniseries by brad Meltzer and rag morales who's the artist rags morales michael turner does covers but it is a murder mystery and what happens is a loved one of one of the, I would say, not even B-list, C-list mm, hero. C. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is killed. And then all of the Justice League jumps in to try to find out who the murderer is. But there is a twist in this book because you come to find out that a group within the JLA have decided to not just erase people's memories of who they are but literally change their um aspect of like their being of who they are and the main characters like uh, hector said was uh, dr light which by the way i was a huge i knew I, all about it because i knew you were a titans person so that because was that teen titans was my intro into um into comic books and he was a main villain of the Teen Titans. And they even talk about that in Identity Crisis, how this guy's a lame-o. I mean, he's fighting the Teen Titans. Why are we even caring about him? But um, I don't know how far you want to hop into that, Hector. But I think yeah. that pretty much lays it out. Yeah. Um, the, the big reveal, I'm, we're going to spoil it, of course. The book's been around for 18 years. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll let Hector decide when he wants to. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. But that was the thing, like I, the first issue, I literally thought, well, that was a waste of my time. Like the first time I read it um, and I uh, first issue, first of all, and I, I, I'm not a negative person in general, but I'll say this uh, Rags's art style is unique. Yeah. So a lot of I remember back then that a lot of people were like, oh, this his facial feet, <laughs> you know, some of his faces are weird. Um, but I sort of like it. I think it conveys emotion so much better than some of the other. I, I, I mean, it is unique. Um, and I can understand where some people will be like turned off from it. But like, 
just the looks like, for example, there's one, um, there's one scene where they're trying to get back to Tim Drake's house yeah. and Batman, you can just see the, the expression on Batman's face with a little itty bit of his face that you can see underneath that cowl the amount of despair that's going on in his face in that scene like with robin in the bet the seat is just like now on just on but i'll say this rags's art style turned some people off from the book um because and what made and what was a pro and a con was that you had michael turner's like oh i know the gorgeous gorgeous like covers are like amazing michael turner's gorgeous art like you know on the covers and then you open it up and it is well, this isn't the same guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that was a straight Rickroll. I mean, it's I just know like, it was. And uh, for me, I mean, it's just like, and I, Chris and I debated, and yeah, like, of just when covers are straight up deceptive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even, you know, I was reading the Task Force Z the other day, and um, the cover that I got at least has a zombie bane drinking oh. tea. Yeah, that kills me. With uh, like all these stuffed animals of all the Z team members or whatever, and the cover title says Bane spills the tea. Bane's not in the book at all, and I'm well, like, yeah, I hate you. All. The covers to these are very. I thought the covers were very good. Um, I, if you don't go by the art style, but they do convey what happens in the book for each one of these issues, hundred percent. So you know what's going on. It's not like a the only issue is, is that this guy who draws this crisp art, I think, did he do, did he draw like Tomb Raider or Fathom? Yeah. Fathom, I think. And um, uh, yeah, it's completely different. But Rags it, Morales' ability to convey emotion, it, just like through drawing people's eyes even. Yes. Um, but there like, are some wonky places where like a nose looks like it shouldn't be here or like a jaw is over to the side or something. But now I'll say this, like he is the gold st- standard for what I look at for uh elongated man now anytime i see elongated man in a book and he doesn't look like identity crisis elongated man i'm like ew but he does it good because you you know i guess his art style really does favor elongated man because you really never know where his face is gonna be or do or whatever so i got you on that yeah now this is just a little perk of the absolute edition but did you know that each character is modeled after a celebrity no i had no idea okay so Mm -hmm. So that's in the that's in here and i didn't know this until this other time because here's the thing like when i like i i really love the absolute editions and if they keep doing these which i hear that dc's done doing it um really yeah um i hear that they the print division was like you know this is kind of a waste so let's not do this anymore um on turn but like i love absolute editions um but uh so uh it's got a breakdown of all the characters in here on what celebrities they're based on nice um, so each character so uh elongated man is designed to look like uh dick van dyke i could see that yeah uh, elongated man is dick van dyke um sue dibney is don wells i don't know who that is that's, that's a, this is a deep dive man back yeah. way before me too yeah uh yeah and some of these are really i recognize from like classic tv and stuff like firehawk right. is patty hearst oh gosh yeah um well, see and, no uh, one by picking up this book would know this no no green arrow is lane stanley the deceased lead singer of alice in chains oh yeah see 
crazy. It is. Um, Jean or Jean Loring is Leslie Ann Warren, uh, Miss Scarlet in the movie Clue. Yeah. Wow. Um, Adam is a young Paul Newman. Oh, which I can actually okay. see that. Um, I can see that. <laughs> um, uh, Batman is a mustacheless Tom Selleck. Well, that's a good way to make Batman. I like <laughs> Although I can't imagine Tom Selleck without a mustache. So, <laughs> Right. Um, Wally West Flash is Brad Pitt. Okay. But I don't think we ever see Wally in this book without his mask on. No. I think his oh. mask is on every time. Maybe maybe once or twice. I can't remember. Um, Barry Allen Flash is John Hurt. Which is, I don't even, that's just a, that's like a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. That's a flashback in the book. Uh, Zatanna is Phoebe Cates. Oh, all right. Good. Yeah. Nice. Um, Black Canary is Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Oh, wow. Um, I can see that 100%. Right. From um, 2004, right off yeah, the X-Men movie. Exactly. Um, Superman, uh, he was trying to go for the original Buster Crab. Uh, I, I could see. Here's the deal, though. With the way he draws faces that I... I can see glimpses of it now that you say that, but there is no way in the world I would ever figure that out. You That's could give me four people and I would never guess it. And when I was reading through this, I'm like, oh, y'all, okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, this is this one's funny and relevant for the times. Nightwing, for the little bit of time he's in the book, is Johnny Depp. Okay, <laughs> nice. nice. Star, Starfire is Naomi Campbell. Okay. Um, Wonder Woman is Julie Strain, who is barely in the book too. Yeah. Now she does have a great scene. Like yeah, the, the prison scene is fantastic with uh, Slipknot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Green Lantern Hal Jordan is Pierce Brosnan. Okay. Uh, who Kyle, in this book is the Spectre? Yeah, he's the Spectre. Uh, Green Lantern Kyle Rayner is Freddie Prinze Jr. <laughs> um vixen is grace jones um shining knight is john cleese well that's hilarious john right? cleese shining knight yeah. that's great yeah that's oh. hilarious holy uh, grenade uh yeah <laughs> firestorm is josh myers i don't know who that is um calculator is james woods which actually i could actually hear that in my head that works well um merlin uh is Ricardo Montalban. Montalban. Um, yeah. And this one's hilarious. Uh, Captain Boomerang is Ron Jeremy. Now that I see a hundred percent. Right. I see that now. hundred <laughs> percent. Because this is an older Captain Boomerang who is not in shape. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that was, that's hilarious. Um, Owen, uh, which I think is Captain Boomerang's kid. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, is uh, Justin Timberlake? Oh, I think that's a stretch. I don't know about that. Um, but to see, we got to take this from a 2004 perspective too. 100%. All these people now look a completely different. Yep. You know, except uh, Ron Jeremy, I think he looks the same. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Phobia slash Doctor Moon is Carolyn Jones from the Adams Family. Um, Who's Doctor Light? Dude, it doesn't say. Like he's like one of the main reasons this whole book is here. He, this is just stuff Rags decided to include, and nice. he puts he didn't put it in there. Um, 
Uh, Kronos is the New York Yankees manager, Joe Terry or Tory. Joe Tory. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Felix Faust is Leonard Nimoy. Oh, wow. And um, Mirror Master is Eric Roberts. I don't. Who's Eric Roberts? He's, oh, he, I know who that is. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Classic movie. He's the one in the Dark Knight. He's like, like where they think, dropped him from the. They dropped him from the. Yeah. Oh, I like really, Eric Roberts. Me too. Yeah. He was the master in the Doctor Who movie to the American version. Um, oh, okay. Uh, he's like, Do you think I really want to hear you talk? <laughs> I think that's one of the best lines. <laughs> yeah, because he sounds. They sound exactly alike. Um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just like the art style was a thing but like i just i think not knowing who the characters were out the gate was something that kind of was an off put for me but then like you know when i went back the month later the guy was at the at the comic book shop was like no you need to keep going it's only seven issues you'll you'll want it and then he tried to sell me he didn't sell me on the first one but he sold nice. me just and i'm glad well this was like, a this would be a hard pickup because honestly i mean it's got superman wonder woman batman right there in the front on issue one but this book is not about them really. I mean, this is about the, I mean, other than, I mean, if you think about the, the, who we think about for the justice league, like Hal's not in it. Um, Barry isn't in it really. I mean, they allude to them, but they're not the real characters. I mean, Martian Manhunter, we don't get much of him or wonder woman. And we get enough Batman and Superman in there. I mean, but, Really, this is a Green Arrow, uh, Black Canary, Zatanna, Hawkman, Adam, Elongated Man book. Yeah, it is. And so, and I actually, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, good. I have a friend who is a huge Green Arrow fan. Like, collects all kind, has all kinds of Green Arrow stuff. And I was text. I was after reading it. I texted him. I said, "Listen, Ed, I think this is probably my favorite Green Arrow book." I've probably read. I mean, I, I love the Kevin Smith stuff when he started it back. Um, but, and he was like, really? I don't think I've ever read it. And I was like, he does most of the, I mean, really most of it is from his point of view. It yeah. seems like. He narrates a lot of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which in- which is something we, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I keep cutting you off. See, I, this is what happens. I just go on a ramble. On it. One of the interesting things about this book is that the thought bubbles are not thought bubbles. They are boxes that are have different colored font and different colored background depending upon the superhero who is thinking them so which is really cool when you're not colorblind so somebody such as myself who has a slight colorblindness issue it you have to sort of oh yeah yeah you start to hear their voice but that is a i love how they did that and one of the things i saw with it too is that uh as it was moving on when you were getting more of the the narration of the characters like the thought bubbles the the voices it became pretty clear on the you know just how things were being stated with it but yes it it definitely was a different team book but so let's uh let's jump into story um sure like uh i'll say this i the first um you you mentioned that was a good love story or the other thing i was gonna say that um on the green arrow front uh kevin smith brought green arrow back from the dead um right brad Meltzer of you know same writer for identity crisis did the follow-up series after kevin's for green nice. arrow i didn't know that so um there's a really i want it might be called archer's quest i could be wrong i've got the book somewhere um 
hardback. But uh, so after he's brought back from the dead, um, Green Arrow and Roy go on a field trip across country to um, undo all of Green Arrow's um, contingency plans for if he died because <laughs> he's now not dead because he's nice. now not dead because he had he had like a list of if i die do these things right and so like he wanted to undo it nice. and so it's this like road trip buddy story of these two going cross country trying to basically reinstate his life and it's a really good book so you might want to tell your green arrow friend if he missed that one that i will pretty solid pretty solid entry um but there are certain parts of this book that have lived in my head rent free for like an adult lifetime of um like uh again i didn't know who ralph and sue were at this point like it just wasn't part of my mental canon um but uh there's the one line where after uh they uh he's talking to firehawk and um where he's like a Oh, when they're up on the rooftop. Up on the rooftop, and he says, um, and it's this one panel, um, don't you understand, Lorraine? It's not just that she believes in me. She's my lady. Like, and what he yes. said, I was like, oh. I know it. Now, at that point in time, I was a newlywed. Um, oh. I had been married all of maybe three months at this point. And so that stuff was like, she gets me. She, I was yeah. like, that was sweet. And um, also it was the same thing that uh, when it was talking about that uh, uh, that he when Sue first noticed him. Um, yes. It wasn't that was just so that cool. she noticed him, me. It was that she didn't notice him. Like right. that she chose mm-hmm. him over. Uh, over the other superheroes that were there over the other superheroes and he's like some people just like butter pecan i mean that's yes i love that <laughs> some people just like butter pecan ice cream yes and that's like and that's one of the things is like brad's storytelling like <clears throat> somebody could have scribbled this with you know stick figures and as long as brad narrated it like i would yeah been, i would have been down it was such a good well i think that was part of it 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 that's what that writing is what made me it hooked me in the first issue because I, you, you have a, oh, they, it's like, it's sort of felt like if there could be two everyday people that would be in the Justice League, it would be Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, and then his wife, you know, because they feel like, oh, yeah, they're not the flashy people. They're not, you know, they could be me and you, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it, so, and it felt so sweet. And then they kill her. <laughs> in the first issue the straight killer and and that's one of the things and what but being brad i think everybody thought that the traumatic stuff was going to that was going to be the initial trauma and that that was going to be as bad as it got oh gosh no and i think this is one of the things that uh separates this book from everything else is because um dude she was pregnant yeah and that she was pregnant she was that but also all the stuff with dr like prior um right like which that was an issue too yeah we'll get, we'll get there in a second yeah <laughs> but like and honestly giving a 
calculator such uh good room to actually tell yes, a story the like the anti-oracle the anti-oracle yeah dude it was just like uh the fact have he was they charging. Used, have they done anything else with that since then i don't ever remember this is the only time i ever remember that happening but you would think so the calculator is just a c-list batman villain who for those of you who don't know is like literally running a uh, like he sets uh, people up with villains to do their bidding. He's sort of like uh, Barbara Gordon's Oracle character in the Batman, who's like the girl in the, or the person in the seat, you know, like, you know. As Ned would say. As Ned would say, seat. yeah, right. And he is just hooking up, gosh, I don't know. But he, the fact that he's charging like $1,000 per question. Yes. $1,000 per answer or $3,000. Um, yeah. I get it that he's got like breakdowns on all the little um, characters and stuff that the minor characters for that. That's one of the things I've enjoyed so much about Brad's writing because I've, you know, he's big now with a whole generation for kids books. Um, really? I don't like, have you seen uh, the books like I am Abraham Lincoln? I am Martin Luther King. No, he does. A he whole, does those. He does those. He does a whole historical line of putting like almost like golden like the little golden spine books from the yes i'm just talking about he does they're not golden spine but like he does books on that level of like i am martin luther king i am maya angelou i am jackie robinson basically introducing historical figures to kids and they've made a kids cartoon show out of it now too um well like so he's blowing up he's on that whole level but beyond that like one of the things that i like separates him from james patterson per se um and mystery writing is that he puts ridiculous amounts of detail and story building into the characters he's writing that you feel like is like superfluous but then turns out to be like that was important i needed to know (laughs) that so i could understand this motivation or this person but i mean it's it's like but it's also even when it's not important um sorry even when it's not important it's memorable just like the butter pecan thing um with uh elongated man the first Meltzer book i read um that i think i personally read i picked up after this because this book when it concluded like was something that i felt was kind of life-changing um he did a book and you know if, if you're a murder mystery person in any way like this uh he got me in all the right hooks because he did a book called the book of lies the book of lies is you know uh might be on the shelf actually but we'll find it later um uh the book of lies starts out like this this the dust jacket on the back in the garden of eden cain murdered his brother abel the murder weapon was never found oh my gosh (laughs) in 19 whatever uh the creator of Superman's father was shot. That murder weapon was never found. These two crimes are about to connect. Oh, interesting. And like, so it's like, y'all literally just faith and fandom to me. Like this was like- No kidding, you went freight from from the beginning to to Superman. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. And so like the whole thing is- a detective who's investigating some other crime and it literally ties into people that are looking for the murder object that Kane used to kill Abel to kill Abel 
but it also ties in to how uh the creator of superman's father was shot and killed hmm. and but the he also used that book to help get the that family rights back to the creator's home gotcha so he actually did real world good change with it but it's Neat. like they literally threw like biblical lore and uh superman creation into a murder mystery and about somebody struggling with their fate and it was just like okay <laughs> it's like i remember it was the first like i'd read james patterson books forever um but it was the first murder mystery of that level with just the detail like one of the things that like stands out like years later i read that book probably a month or two after this book and he has this one detail about how there's a dog coming to bite the main character in a swamp like he's coming to like rip him to pieces so he takes a spyglass baton slides it into the sleeve of his shirt and when the dog comes to bite him he holds his arm out like that and the it dog says, bites the baton it, he bites his arm and the baton but he doesn't like get a full insertion right and the way he just describes the teeth going in the top versus the sound of the teeth hitting the bottom like that's never left me like oh wow um so that's good job then he did his work man well that's the thing he does good detail work so uh like just with the first issue alone i just i saw so much depth to the storytelling and but the thing it was depth to storytelling of characters i didn't care about right nobody even knew much about them and i think that's one of the things about good storytelling is if you can give us characters you don't care about and all of a sudden they matter then you've mm -hmm. done a good job um and the way that they lined up uh sue's attack versus uh was it what was this guy's name um that was getting shot up oh i don't know the bolt i can't remember the bolt, <laughs> the bolt yeah, yeah the bolt another uh, another villain that no one's ever heard of right the way they lined up the bolts uh attack with sue's panels attack yeah, yeah. um again great layout great storytelling with that um and you know when he's telling a uh, firehawk uh if i hold on to you your hands will burn he's like do it and yeah it doesn't matter that's we got to get back to got to get home yeah and, and then the, the the villain actually bolt as he's laying there on the shot he's like you freaking maniac call me an ambulance <laughs> yeah and i tell you oh that'd be another thousand dollars uh the funny i mean this has nothing to do with this book but i thought it was interesting that it's luther's suit in the crate and it we never talk about it again no that never gets brought up <laughs> I mean, again that's never gets brought up again i mean that so it, there's it, the fact a couple penguin goons end up with a luther suit and they're selling it on the street it's just on like, the black market yeah it's crazy and that you've got the guy that actually just shot up the bolt calling an ambulance for him. and i'm like i know yeah it's like just good humanity moments um but uh now like uh and then there's the panel of uh ralph holding sue at the end of issue one right um well not even the end of issue one is it the end no because at the end he's falling apart at the very end the, it's him who turns is the funeral correct yeah this is like two-thirds of the way through it so the panel he of, gets to the house when he's holding uh sue at the uh at the home yep. the sprinklers mm -hmm. the fire alarm like that image 
for all of the credit to rags with that that image has like been permanently burned in my brain for 18 years of like when i think of what grief looks like when i think of what anguish mm-hmm. looks like it's that picture and yeah. uh, i've actually kept a picture of this in my phone so when people are like texting me or like talking to me like how are you feeling today and i'll like literally send just send up oh, i send gosh, them this that's picture. terrible that's horrible it <laughs> would be like my this would be my worst day ever this picture yeah. Yeah. is my worst day ever that's his worst day ever. I mean, they do an excellent job of portraying it. I mean, the the woman he loves is looks like she's been burned alive, and his gift that she was she was setting up to you know he already knew about the, the that's the whole entire thing, right? So every year for his birthday, she tries to get him something that he, but he's such a great detective, um, so he always knows the gift she's giving him. And so this time she tries to do it like before his birthday and she does have the gift that he knows she's given him. But the other gift was, oh, you're going to be a dad. And now his gift is gone. His wife's gone. Their child is, I mean, this is just terrible. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Which was, good. Hold good. on. I, I got to ask you a question. So I'm sitting here talking to this with my wife and Kathy's like, and I'm telling her about all this stuff. And she goes, why would he want to talk about this comic book? That was her thing. Why did he choose this? I said, because it's so traumatic, but she deals with trauma all day long. She's yeah. a, you know, she's a child therapist. So um, what made you, why, before we go on, Hector, can I ask you that? Why did you choose this book? Honestly, talking with you about it was like, I was like, man, that would be a fun conversation. The, the well, there just- you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm for it uh well it's, i don't remember specifically what it was it was like so on my shelf immediately right here i've got all of my absolute editions and all of my hardbacks mm-hmm. so you know i've got my planetary that i got from you and i've got uh absolute hush this is a great a great book by the way planetary. it is a great book uh i've got absolute watchman absolute blackest night which i think i'm going to revisit that scene um absolute justice with alex ross um uh kingdom come uh new frontier like i've got all these great books and i was just like nice and i was talking i was just thinking about oh and you know what else it is i just finished reading um brad Meltzer's uh can't remember he started a new storyline uh with a guy named zig and zola um okay and but i had read a whole brand new novel of his and was about to start the second one in this series and i was like so i think hey, I, had brad, I had brad God, get him on the mind melts yeah. on the mind well and because his writing is so it carries over so often gotcha. there was stuff that was reminding me of the book of lies there was stuff in there that was reminding me of identity, identity crisis. crisis and i was just like i think that and just like you know i haven't gotcha. talked to todd in a while we should talk about identity crisis that's awesome well let's do it man issue oh. two or issue one but and that's the thing too like uh he's uh, like brad did so many other really great things um he had a whole jla run which was really good um i know it's not everybody's wheelhouse but he did a big chunk of buffy season eight hmm. and his buffy season eight stuff marvelous gotcha yeah, um, never watched read anything buffy yeah um he also did uh when they were heading into the uh final crisis infinite crisis era of stuff um yeah. during countdown or not countdown but 52 somewhere in that area 
he had a line uh and it's one of those lines that stood with me my whole like 16 years later um and it's uh it was one of those things where it was a zero issue and it might have been absolute crisis zero issue or something but um it was an anthology book of different characters but mm-hmm. it had batman and dick swinging through gotham and it says but the firstborn is always the firstborn gotcha. and just talking about how the relationship with dick will never change and i was just like and that like that panel literally burned in my brain so brad's just one of those writers i think because i just read a recent novel and i've literally that's the his next his newest novel is in my backpack right now gotcha um, if uh, it don't have pictures i don't read it so that's that's, that's one of my things well, that's not true i do read books on occasion but like one of the things too i've been using because i know audiobooks are big um and i did read listen to the both volumes of the sandman's big oh, audio know. production yeah um, i listened to you talk about that on your podcast yeah that and you know they're adding more and more people make me want to give the live action one a shot but i'm still hesitant um but what i've been doing a lot of times if i buy a book on kindle alexa just reads it for me nice so any book that's on your kindle you can just tell your just read it just read it and it'll read it to you and as long as you can deal with the voice like if the yes hector yeah (laughs) it's fine with me i don't care yeah, if yeah. you can deal with that, any book you own on Kindle, they'll read to you, and it just makes gotcha. it easier. Um, but going through the first issue of it, you got to, like, <clears throat> I remember getting to the scene of uh, Ralph and Sue laying there and not wanting to read anymore. Like, uh, like I was like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> it's like, why yes. would I want to read horrible. this? Um, but one of the questions I was asking you, do we ever, because I just reread this, but it's already vacated from my mind. Um, do we ever have ralph even acknowledge the pregnancy no no not that i know of so i don't know i mean yeah then they never talk about it and actually it's not even brought up again in comic books for a long time i mean you know they bring back they reunite the you know sue and ralph through I don't know, Ralph ends up dying and then they come together. They're like detectives, ghost detectives. And then, yeah. then they get re they get brought back in the blackest night. Yes. I was going to bring that up later too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, because honestly, after this, I pretty much stopped comics and then I, I really, I think this was terrible. I went back and recollected every issue of the darkest night blackest night whatever and yeah. all the all the tie-ins Me too. i had like a stack of comics and i was like oh my gosh that's 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 the elongated man and his wife you know so no they don't talk about it in this never and and that's one of the things like and it's a question that i'm planning to ask brad Meltzer at some point um because it's never mentioned did ralph actually know that's awful tough. I would think that he would have to know. I mean, because they bring in everyone and their mom to go over that room. First, of course, we know Batman's in there and he's got the note. You know, no, I think everybody else knows. But you don't know if he knows or not. Yeah. That's a like, tough one. I don't know if anybody ever bothered, bothered to like tell him because mm-hmm. what's he going to do? Add to your grief? Like, right. I think it just had to add to our grief. Yeah. I mean, and that way we can. That way we know why he's, I mean, it didn't have to be, I mean, honestly, because 
but it does add the another loss of layer the rifle of, alone is enough yeah right but that just makes it even that's that that'll that'll break a guy i mean i you know it could absolutely and so that way we can we can look at elongated man you know ralph's uh and the people around him their reaction to what they do afterwards and i guess we can somehow justify that by well not only did they kill his wife they killed his unborn child too i say they but we all know it was one person yeah but and then wonder woman getting up to do the the speech oh my gosh there's an also a panel in the first issue where animal man they call animal you know like I said, they call all the specialists in to look at the room, find out who broke in, who killed her. And Animal Man is just like, he's got like his nose turned up, like he's smelling, you know? Yeah. It, the, I love how Rags drew that too. Yeah. yeah he's like, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, but when Wonder Woman stands up to do the eulogy, yeah, it's so sweet. Well, then, and, uh, Ralph actually trying to hold his face together. Yes. At the thing that that to me is another one of those like like tragic moments of like okay. <laughs> I, I just got to hold so literally hold it together man and he you just can't. I've been I've had days like that. I'm sure you have too Hector. Oh, absolutely. Where it's just like I just can't do it. I can't do it. And I lost both of my parents after this book. And so, mm. like, um, a lot of times, and we also went through a couple miscarriages after this book. And so, like, there'd be times where, like, I would literally picture my internal monologue, like the thing with Sue or, like, Ralph standing there holding his face together at the funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, this has been stuff, you know, that's kind of resonated with me forever with that. But, uh and I'm kind of sad that we never got Wonder Woman's speech, but I'm also grateful we didn't get Wonder Woman's speech. Yeah, so we can put that in ourselves. You know, I think I have an internal monologue of, you know, of what it would have sounded like, which I like that, you know. He does just the right amount of giving us what we need to hear, and then we supplement that with what we think we should be hearing. I really enjoy that. It's the kind <clears throat> of speech that was quoted in Bartlett's years from now. Yes. <laughs> I hear a word. I know it. I don't even know if anybody knows what Bartlett's is anymore. No, no. And, that, <laughs> and you know what? This shows that Brad's who Brad is because that's something that mattered to him. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, like 20, because at this point in time, I would have been like 21 or 22, um, 23 at tops. No 23 mm-hmm. year old knew what Bartlett's was actively was at that point in time. <laughs> I knew what it was. Yeah. We, we had to use it in English. Oh, gosh. Um, but at the end of issue one the change from grief to anger is just so uh the look on ralph's face goes from being unable to hold it together to just well and that and the fact that like it's so crisp there's not a sag in him there's no no anything it's just like it's resolute yeah and that's like oh for real and that's the thing i didn't know i didn't have enough in me about these people this team to care desperately yeah you know yeah. and actually i think a lot of uh, um black canary green arrow i've come to appreciate them more in the last four i guess two or three years 
it seems like their relationship is especially in tom taylor's uh, deceased run yeah which by the way if you didn't know deceased the next volume is coming out yeah, this year I saw that. I saw yeah that. so um but i really am enjoying uh the green arrow and even in death metal, they had a couple. Uh, so I, I really appreciate. And Zatanna has always been like, I think she'd be pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I hear but, there's a movie, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? She was really good. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't watched on the animated front, she has a really solid uh, arc in um, Young Justice. Like, I haven't watched Young Justice. I just need to put it on. Being, being a Titans person. Like mm-hmm. in the that capacity you are, there's a lot that's borrowed directly from your classic stories. Gotcha. Of the Titans yeah. run, but they also uh, will pull your uh, they'll pull your leg on some stuff too because gotcha. If they're doing straight up things like the Judas contract, um, like <laughs> I so want to get off topic so bad. How it, about it, Geoforce being the guy that killed the Deathstroke? I know. You're reading that. <laughs> Like or, makes or sense. Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Anyway, that's completely it. That's that's I, an I just old, read that yesterday. So. That's a. Oh, I'm glad I didn't run that. That's a Batman and the Outsiders uh, Teen J- Judas contract uh, Teen Titans throwback. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. They they actually do the Judas contract storyline in Young Justice, but they 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 misdirect you and pull you in different directions in some different areas so well, the good because that was a that would be creepy now if you think deathstroke's like what is he like 40 or 50 and tara was like what 13 that's a little uh, bit weird it's no less creepy yeah oh nice okay i'm sorry uh, it, back, no, no, to, it, back to the identity crisis <laughs> it is less creepy but be if you have the back knowledge it's not less creepy so i think that's one of the things it's like God, you going, read this is cringy yeah, it is. It gets there a lot. Um, yeah, he wouldn't be in jail for killing people. He'd be in jail for grooming. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, did you like you mentioned, you know, about Ralph being dead later on? Did you read Countdown or see how Ralph died? I do not have Countdown. I missed the opportunity. I could have gotten all 52 issues of Count. Wait, I have not 52. I do have Count. Okay. I have 52 countdowns, what I have. I do not have, maybe is it in there? I think it's in the book. So the answer countdown. is no. Anyway, it is no. I okay. have not read it. Because they did 52, <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> once me. 52 <clears throat> ended, countdown started. Well, I have that. I have countdown. Okay, I just I, never finished it. I feel like it's in countdown. It might gotcha. be in 52, but it's in one of the two books. Well, the um, 52, I missed getting all those issues. It was for, they were on sale for $70 at my half price books uh, for the, all 52 issues. And I just didn't get it. And then I went back to get it and it was gone. I was like, that was a mistake. I have an audio <laughs> dramatization of 52. That's fantastic. Oh, oh, cool. Like great actors in it. They do, mm-hmm. but they leave out all of the sub stories. Oh yeah. I don't like so, that. I like yeah, it all. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, Ralph, died um fighting felix faust um imprisoning felix faust in the tower of fate okay um but somehow it had something to do with his wedding ring the gene not the gene but uh the sue and so he like i'd have to go back and reread the issues but he uh yeah he uh literally got shot through the heart with his wedding ring oh wow yeah and Those then wedding like, ring things are tough. 
It reminds me of the Carmen issues where that one guy had to get his wedding ring out from the sewer. Yeah, dude, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough too, man. It's like, goodness. Um, yeah. But that was honestly the thing with, of just how, so it furthers the story of like when you see them again in Blackest Night and when they're mm-hmm. doing the ghost detectives and stuff like that, is that he died to be able to make sure that uh, Foss was imprisoned and but also so that he could be with suit right and so it's just well, like I mean, whole painful yeah thing sweet it's yeah but oh, like wow. their their zombie dialogue in blackest night though it's just like it's like it's weird <laughs> i was like oh gosh if you're a fan of identity crisis and then you watch the zombie sue and ralph interact in blackest night it's like oh i'm nauseous i don't like this it's just cringy <laughs> it yeah it's super it's super cringy yeah. um so yeah just that uh it was it was such a dope first issue to be able to start off a whole storyline with um and you know so much happened in the way that came after this that uh yeah man it's it's bananas but that's as gangster as killing a superhero's wife who was pregnant um and going as gangster as that was for the uh the time like i feel that the stuff that followed in issue two and three oh like, that that's issue two and three yeah that's what set that changed the way uh we looked at superheroes honestly it did and like i i honestly don't know this is you know i don't say that was that this book shouldn't have been done i don't know that this book would get made today um uh i don't or i feel like it would probably have... i could not it, it could get made but not a dc this would be like an id well not even idw maybe boom no boom wouldn't do it either but one of those you know maybe image we could get away with producing this but it wouldn't have the superheroes we know i don't think they would do it there's no way because well, yeah, they're intellectual it... property i mean if this damages just about even even superman and batman in here are complicit because and ollie touches on that in in further so what happens is for people who haven't read this book is that you come to find out that not only the the problem is is that villains get to know their secret identities which is the whole entire thing identity crisis so what dr light does i don't know how much you want to touch on that hector i don't know if we i don't know if we want to save that for the next one Okay, yeah, we could talk about it later. Anyway, the, so it's it's brutal, whatever it is. But it's interesting in that they erase villains' characteristics to not make them as whatever bad they are. And they, gosh, I don't know. I mean, if we talk about that, that with the Batman thing, then that's a whole nother, that, that could take for hours. But the interesting thing is Ollie says that Superman hears what he wants to hear and Batman knows what he wants to know. They're like, Oh man. And when he says that, like they, they close up on Superman's ear ear. And they even, they, they even, uh, like at one of the end, the end books or whatever, when Superman's flying away from his mall, you know, from Ma Kent and she says something to him and he can still hear it up there in the JLA watchtower. So, you know, that, you know, and, um, 
anyway, I'm going to quit talking because I'll just give everything away. I just, like I told Hector before this started, you got to rein me in. Cause when I start talking about comics that I love, I'll just go off on a rampage, but yeah. So everyone is complicit. Uh, and if, if you've got the world's greatest detective and someone who literally has like super hearing, and it's around these people and can tell when they're lying and their heartbeats and everything else. I mean, imagine that the fact that Superman is in the place where, you know, he could probably even tell me this Superman being at this funeral, hearing all these things that even if he flew away to go handle business, he wasn't listening to make sure Ralph was okay. Okay. And that's creepy too, by the way. I mean, I, I don't know, but we, we like to think of Superman as the Boy Scout, We always, which is hilarious because in this, he goes, they used a bolo, uh, bolo line a knot with a Dutch twist. And they go, how do you know that? He goes, it's typical Boy Scout. <laughs> he goes, of course, you would know what kind of knot they, of course. But I, yeah, yeah. So he hears what he wants to hear and he knows what, and then Batman knows what he wants to know. I, I don't know. Green Green Arrow is is the man in this. I think he is the the vo- I don't know. I wouldn't call it necessarily voice of reason, but he's the definitely logic. the voice of with less bias. I'd say yes. This is the way it is. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that in issue two, Ralph had no clue what they had done. Yeah, Ralph was not there when they broke when they did what they. Gosh, I don't know. You know, do you do what? Because Dr. Light's a creepo. He is a creepo. And like, and you know, I, I think we should just jump on that the next time we, we get together. Okay, just because because awesome. the, the whole Dr. Good. Light aspect of that was like I think that's one of the cringiest things in comics ever. Um yes, uh, it is. Just the look on his face. The okay, look on I'm his face. Talking. No, no, that's what we're doing. Um, I don't <laughs> want to keep you forever because I know you've got adulty things to do too. So I just I want to ask you this though. You're familiar with the like retrospecting. Let's looking at this story from 18 years ago in a now concept. Are you are you familiar with the term fridging? No. What is okay. that? I don't um, be really cold. <laughs> um, they it's it was actually Barbara Gordon quoted it in um, one of the recent issues of Nightwing, but uh, uh it, it it and the term was coined as a term by Gail Simone. Yeah, it it might be the issue right before that one, where the term was actually, or a couple before it was actually put in print officially um, as a term. But fridging is a term that's been used for years now to describe uh, killing or destruction of a female character specifically for the advancement of a male character. Gotcha. Which is why you said I, which is part of the reason why I don't think they would make this now. Yeah. So fridging uh, specifically derives all the way back from when Kyle Rayner found his love interest broken and mutilated and stuffed into a refrigerator. Um, Gotcha. Oh, nice. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, It's one of the most horrific WTF moments and in comic book history is he walks in and they gave him a girlfriend just to kill her so Mm. that it could be used as a motivational arc um gotcha and so like 
Gail Simone made a big public plea, and I'm not saying she's wrong at all, um, but like that we have to do better as writers that we don't just use female characters as cannon fodder to further a storyline. So here's my take on that. Go ahead. And it, and I, I mean, a long time ago, <laughs> when I was collecting comic books, you would never see, I honestly never saw a female in the comic book shop. One of two reasons. One reason was at that point, they weren't writing for women. Honestly, they were writing just for guys, you know? So this would be, I, I can understand why they would write that in there, you know? And that was wrong because you need to write for a broader audience, which I think is the, one of the problems with the comic book industry to begin with is that they only wrote for a, a specific group of people. And it's now thinned out so daggone much that they don't, they're losing readers. Um, so I think that that is why that was so big back then. Honestly, it wasn't that they were, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I got you. You write to your audience is what they were doing. And they didn't know that there was another audience. But now that there is, now, of course, Gail Simone, huge, great writer. I agree with her. But back then, I get why they did it. And so it was one of those things, like, I, I'd known that that was a thing. But as like, when I first started rereading this, just to have this conversation with you, I was like, did they fridge Sue? Is like this literal whole thing? Because like, I didn't know who Sue was before this. And um, in a lot of ways, it's just like, oh, yeah, they kind of did um now to be fair uh brad Meltzer kills a lot of people just for motivation like in books in this book too yeah i mean this book. she's not the only one that goes no and so and that's and that's one of the things i would say is there's a balance to it it's not just sue yeah because they turn around you get the similar things with tim and you know as we go forward with that mm -hmm. um that's so sad it, oh that one Ooh, can't wait um and not just that this is a book about relationship honestly Honestly, I mean, it's the heroes and their family, even the villains and their family. You know, I felt sorry. If, well, we keep on going out. That's later on in the issues. But <laughs> I, I, I really would love to see Boomerang and his son have a baseball moment, which is what we got to see, you know, tossing the old baseball in the background in the backyard, although it was a exploding uh, boomerang. But, you know, but that's like, you know, to like a dad and his son tossing ball you know but anyway it was a sweet moment um but like in one of the recent issues barbara gordon of nightwing barbara gordon gets kidnapped um to draw nightwing out and she's oh like, yeah 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 yes. she's on communication she's like they're literally fridging me dick <laughs> oh i didn't even catch that yeah um it's like they they literally and that was the first time it was used in context oh wow about, and so that was a big moment and like they kind of like celebrated gail simone on twitter with that but just like not that she wrote it they're like look we've actually come to the point where we're using your term in comic books mm -hmm. about what's which happening. is funny and and like oh yeah you're gonna do that to barbara gordon you know yes you who know literally and that's one of the things is that was are she you was serious one of the, she was one of the primary examples of fridging is that they took a character? Oh yeah, and like destroyed her character just to advance 
that one storyline. Yes. Yeah. And they show that picture's in this book too. Yeah, it is. The killing joke. Mm-hmm. Well, well, uh, I'm not saying we're going to do uh, one podcast per part one of seven. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's that, but I'm, I'm also, not, it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it either, but I would like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot in each issue to be able to break down, but uh, I, know. I know Todd, thank you so much for like uh, hanging out with thank me. And you talking for, about this thank you, Hector. I love it. It's and, great. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this and uh, like just hearing your thoughts and stuff with it. And we'll break down because all the nitty gritty stuff is in the issues The like two and three yes and stuff. this was pure yes yeah three is and just for four just for your discussion three is one of my all-time favorite comic books period oh deathstroke is the best in that it, that is a best deathstroke that one issue made me like deathstroke oh um, yeah that yeah that was the one tornering point where i'm just like i reread that single issue more times than anything like and, and, and the amount of time it takes ollie just to yell don't like everything falls apart <laughs> completely i mean and you know he's like no and it, i love that i was i was at that point in time i was running a bible camp uh with a bunch of moguls and there were no other nerds or geeks oh. anywhere near me and i'm like sitting in a, a in a staff meeting with a bunch of older christians trying to explain and he was so cool and he took out the whole justice league like <laughs> in like yeah zero seconds and everybody like in looked, no time yeah i don't get it yeah so anyway <laughs> like it's gonna be fun um, great cover too oh it's a great cover it really is you're super know um yeah that that's the, that's the one of mine that's like dog-eared and um gotcha beaten but uh and rags was just at fateville comic-con with me the other day and um oh man yeah that was pretty cool all that right everybody cool. um so if you're if you enjoyed this conversation uh you can uh tune in for more as when our schedules allow we're gonna keep diving into uh some more identity crisis and uh Make sure you check out uh, Todd's stuff over at Mosaic Fan Arts. And um, if you uh, like Todd's conversation here, you can also read uh, Todd's chapter on The Hobbit, um, which is in book eight. And you can find that also by going to faithandfandom.org and clicking the book eight section. And it's in there. And uh, Todd, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Hector. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, dude. Bye, everybody.